Hey there, and welcome to Quest Along. You might be wondering how this differs from the regular Bits of Time content. Well, I'm Michael, and I love JRPGs. You'll hear me say that in just a little bit. So I'm going to play a JRPG, whether it's a first impressions or a part of an entire series. That will be determined as we go along. So I'm going to easily explain whether this game is going to be for you or not. I shall sync the time in so you don't have to. And this first episode couldn't be anything else but Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because I do love me some Xenoblade. Whether you want to play along with me or be the secondary party member to this quest, it doesn't matter because we're just going to have some fun and I thank you for joining me. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 has a lot more in common with Xenoblade 1 than 2 thus far, and I'm here to let you know what to expect, what the standout features are going to be, and whether or not this is a good starting point for newcomers, which is kind of a weird thing when you're talking about the third game in the series. There will be a spoiler tag if you're trying to avoid all things when it comes to the story, because we'll go through some of the story elements, at least the ones that I found intriguing. I will say though, this already seems to be a darker tone than the first two games, not as overly anime as Xenoblade 2, but it does have its moments, and we'll get we'll talk about that. It does have the most fluid battle system of the bunch, and so far, you could drop in on this entry and not be too confused. And maybe even less confused than me who's played them all. More on that later in the spoiler territory. Now, I'm Michael and I love me some JRPGs. Here at Bits of Time, normally we see if a game is worth your time alongside my older brother Larry, my other co-host, but I'm solo today, but I'm still gonna save you some time. I've played a little over 10 hours of Xenoblade Chronicles 3. This seems to be a very long game with a lot of different systems, so we're gonna kind of break down what I think makes this game special, my praises, and well, a few of my little nitpicks. Why would I recommend you play Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Well, always my first go-to is the characters. This is hands down one of my favorite cast of characters that you get to interact with. For the most part, there isn't a dud and they somehow made the Nippons not annoying. And if you're new to Xenoblade, they are the short, round, munchkin-looking characters. One of the main reasons I play JRPGs is because I want to hang out with a cool crew for hours upon hours and learn their backstories and get see how they change and overcome adversity and how they interact with one another. And this game does a very good job of making a likable party and having conflict pretty often between the party members. And when I mean conflict, it can be just be a difference of opinion on how they want to proceed in the story. And of course, this all starts with our protagonist, and in this game is Noah. Now, I love me some Shulk from Xenoblade 1, but Noah, man, uh, there's something special going on here. He's a real treat. Uh, he's already got some complex feelings sprouting up and driven to question his surroundings, which seems to be kind of the opposite of what this world is building. I'm not going to try and get into spoiler territory. He also has this nice through line with his character that I absolutely love, and he sticks to what he perceives is good for the world and for his crew. In this world, his role is called an offseer, and what they do is he sends the souls of the dead after they've fallen in battle. And what I like about this is he even sends the bodies of the, his sworn enemies, and there is banter very early in this game about 
why he chooses to do that. And we really get to know him in the first handful of hours. I like that the main character already has conflict with the people that he grew up with and the people that are on his side when he chooses to do what he thinks is right. So we get to know Noah pretty well in the first handful of hours here, and we do get a big payoff, in my mind, to some of his character building toward that 10-hour mark right before I had to stop playing and record this. I'm sure that event that happened will have some repercussions, which I will talk about what that event exactly was in the spoiler territory when we get there. Now, talking about spoilers, I'm not going to spoil too much about the characters. I just want to give you a, a basis to who they are. And the one thing, generally, a lot of JRPGs have stereotypical tropes with each character. This game still has that, but it's more subdued, and there's a lot more nuance to it. Each one of them generally has a range already in the first 10 hours. That's really got me intrigued to see where they're going to go and how they're going to balance each of the characters in this game. The big brute of the group is Lons. Lans? Lons? I can't remember how to say his name, actually, I'm real, off the top of my head. He has a really cool design. He has these different gray shadings and has like standout lines that divide his body into like these sections. Uh, he's our defender of the group, but he seems to question Noah right away. He's one of the people that I was talking about earlier. And we get some interesting backstory flashbacks on how he differs from the current version of him and how he hasn't changed as well. But he's, you know, the big brood. He kind of grunts and groans about things, but he's there to defend his crew. Uni might be best girl of the group. She's a healer and a gunner. That's a really cool combo. Her attitude doesn't normally vibe with healers, which I love. She's got some anger issue moments and she seems to be not sub... She's not the quiet and like cleric type. So it's a... And she's a really nice pairing to the group and she, she has some funny lines and she gets, she gets angry. I love it. Mio is the other leader, I'll say, the other protagonist to the group and who is also another offseer. Her style of fighting is reminiscent of Xenoblade 2's Nia, which to me was best girl from Xenoblade 2. And she, she's the leader type as well, and I'm liking how she's progressing. She has this diary that she writes in, and we get to hear one excerpt from it at the point that I've played up to. I'm really liking her character. I won't get into why too much, because it might go into spoilers. I'm not sure. She is also probably best girl. Senna is also a tie with best girl, and if you're keeping score... That's all three of them because they are all awesome. She's got part of her hair that's always on fire and it's this nice shade of blue. And she's got these cool glowing lines throughout her body. And she's this little tiny short girl and she's the attacker that wields this giant hammer. She's the more upbeat and so far just kind of going along with the plan. But I love her energy and it's funny when you change to her character, she says, oh, you want me to lead? So she's not used to leading. And there's, a, there's just a lot of playful banter between her and Lons, or Lans, however you say his name. Because he's the big brute, and she's also the big brute in a small stature. The final party member, and probably the weakest in my eyes, is Taeon. Only because he can be a stick in the mud most of the time. He seems to be the character that is hesitant about our party conglomeration in general. So that he's just a little tiresome in that regard. But he has an awesome design and a cool mode of fighting. He has these killer but kind of cute origami little things. <laughs> and that's a win in my book. He's smart and he's more the tactician healer. So I hope he grows on me because he's such a cool design. And I have a feeling they're doing this for a reason to make him the kind of the voice of reason. And he's trying to be smarter than everybody else in the group. But I'm sure that's going to play along as we get further in the story. 
So those are the characters, but we have to talk about, oh, if you're going to play this game, a lot of people look at the UI and the HUD of Xenoblade 1, of Xenoblade 1 and 2, and just be like, oh my gosh, there's far too much going on the screen. They have definitely cleaned it up in this version. There is still a lot more going on the screen because now you have six party members all fighting at the exact same time. It is definitely chaotic goodness and wow. The combat is really refined. It's a lot more fluid. It's not as clunky as one. It's not as technical and obtuse as two. It seems like it's they've gone with a perfect melding for this game. We still have cancel attacks to cause more damage and help our arts, so think special moves if you're not familiar with this game, help that gauge increase faster. Now the battle itself is you're staying there and you're doing auto attacks. So think kind of like an MMO and then you are waiting for your art gauges to fill to use your special moves. Now some of these arts just fill up normally just by standing there maybe you're auto attacking but then other versions of the arts only increase when you do your auto attacks so i like that they kind of have already a nice mix up between certain arts i won't say why do certain things a different way we also get fusion arts and after we unlock the classes in the game which you can mix and match certain arts from different classes the best part though is your look changes your outfit changes when you change classes i love to see that i wish all jrpgs would always do that i will say though that the six person primary battle is chaotic but it is so much fun and i love that we're all getting experience right away there's no worry about that at all and it's really easy to switch to your healers add some buffs and then switch back to either a defender or attacker character or attacker character and it, it might take a little bit while but it's it's nice to be able to jump around so quickly and oddly enough i've been actually having a lot of fun playing the tank characters which isn't a norm for me in this type of setup also one thing people talk about is tutorials yes the tutorials are still here you know we're talking about the battle system so you want to make sure you're doing the battle system correctly what they did add on top of the tutorials is you can go into a menu system where it shows exactly it'll like bring you into this virtual setting and you can test out, all right, I wanted to make sure I was doing the timing right on cancel attacks because that affects a lot of stuff in the gameplay and how you can use your ultimate moves and stuff. So it was easy, I popped in, loaded up, made sure I was doing my cancel attacks right and then went back out and started playing the game again. And there's scenarios for every single thing in this battle system. I only did the one thing and bounced out because that's all I wanted to make sure I was doing correctly so at least they save the tutorials in this game they have a nice tip section so if you want to go back to something and be like all right what was that tutorial that i just pressed a a bunch just to get to the next point in the story and all these things can be turned off of course you can turn off the tutorials you can turn off all the notifications because it becomes a lot but i want to experience everything i have now turned off certain pop-up displays which is cool that you can turn off some and leave some on it's like this perfect balance they really kind of refined everything in that regard and speaking of all these menus they have this purple and orange aesthetic going on and i love it those are my two favorite color combinations so uh, i'll take that any day all right things that i love that are back from xenoblade one easy pickup of items on the map there are loads of little ingredients whether it's wood or a berry or a, a fossil they you just run over to them goes into your inventory now in they're scattered everywhere and not having to search these glowing light spots from xenoblade 2 is such a time saver 
Now, there was some thrill with that because you would dig into the light spots and then there'd be this RNG of items popping up. Well, in this game, they have containers and they kind of work in the same way. They're kind of like the treasure chests of this game. And you go over to it and it still pops up a bunch of stuff. So it's a nice bridge between the two games. And it doesn't take as much time, which was a big thing for me with Xenoblade 2. And of course, these treasure chests do have a light, or these containers have a light beam coming up. So, you know, you're exploring. Yeah, I need to know where I need to go with the quest. But then I see that beam of light not the distance. I'm like, well, I'm just going to get distracted and wander. And this game brilliantly distracts you all the time. Now, some things that are also back from Xenoblade 1 are the character designs. They are much more grounded, not so over-the-top anime, even though they still look it. So I do like the character models, the design choices they went with this game. It is very reminiscent of number one, and that will probably annoy some people, but when you hear Noah speak and you look at him, you'll be like, beautiful. Though, if you did enjoy the more over-the-top anime style of Xenoblade 2, you do get some of that in this game, especially in some of the battle scenes. So this is kind of, you know, this is a win in my book. It's a nice, they took that intensity and that over anime sword fighting and still brought it into this game. Now, like the previous games, when you're going out and exploring there, you know, there's going to be a variety of mobs and monsters out there and items to collect. This game does a pretty interesting thing where they now have lucky monsters that drop better loot. They're like shiny above their level. There are elite monsters that are tougher, that give you bonus experience, and then they have the even stronger elites, ones that we're used to from the previous games. These ones, if you see them early in the game, you just turn around and run the other way. So you have monsters of a different variety where you're like, oh, well, I should challenge that to see if I can get better loot. You have the containers, you have supply drops, you have also like dead soldiers that you can send and get little points for your colonies. And you can see how this is, I'm gonna get distracted at every turn because when you explore, you also get experience for finding new areas and secret areas, just like in the previous games. So yes, I'm gonna look at this beautiful world and I'm gonna have progress while doing so. Now it's not all praise here. Uh, the one thing I have a, I'll call it a note of apprehension, the locales of this game. Xenoblade 2 specifically had some of the best vistas ever, like the way the world you got to explore and the different titans and like the just surprise and jaw-dropping areas, they were unique, they were beautiful. Xenoblade 3 is not wowing me with the areas that we've been to. And Xenoblade 2 had, you know, they had thriving cities in this one. I don't even know if you can call it a city, it's more like a town, which in reality they're just tiny little settlements so far. As of right now at the 10 hour mark, there isn't a big city. Now this could be remedied because a lot of JRPGs like to put their big cities towards the end of the game, kind of this big hurrah, get, we'll explore this new thing. But just to reiterate, 2 definitely has better scenery while you explore. I would say probably even 1 at this point. Guar Plains, when you first get there, is just amazing in Xenoblade 1. That doesn't mean that all the places I've been to in the first 10 hours are bland. There's one area that started giving me those wonderful feels of wanting to see everything especially looking out on the horizon and seeing where we're going in the distance. So hopefully this does change, but it is my one slightly nitpick so far. I won't spoil the antagonist here, but the first major boss you run into is Uncanny in his style of speak and movement at some moments when he's given his little monologue, and, and I'm a fan of that so far. Hopefully we get a good cast of villains in this game because we need some good villains to be chasing us. 
I'm pretty happy with the performance. Yeah, you know, it's a pretty good looking Switch game. I'm playing docked the whole time so far. No complaints with that. You know, I don't, for a JRPG, I don't really worry about that too much. And knowing that the battle is fluid, I have no complaints at this moment in time. So I am a little over 10 hours in and I'm eager to play more. That's basically all you need to hear. And this is a good, I mean, is there any more to say about that? That's basically all you need to hear to, you know, go buy this game or whatever. But if you have loved Xenoblade 1, you're gonna love this. If you if you found Xenoblade 1 to be a little bit slower, you're gonna love this. If it's a little bit clunkier, you're gonna love this too. If you loved Xenoblade 2, I'm unsure because I'm not that person. I enjoyed Xenoblade 2, but it had a lot of, to me, bad design choices that really hurt that game. So it's kind of hard for me to really give you advice on that one. But I, from the little talk I've seen on Twitter and all these other places, it seems to be that people that like Xenoblade 2 are still liking this one, if not loving it. So that's probably a good sign. Now, I do think this is a good jumping on point because there's nothing so far in the story, minus one thing, which I'll tell you later, that I think has no, as of right now, no connection to the other games. I can see where there's a connection going to happen, but maybe you won't be as confused or maybe you'll be more intrigued to go back and play the other games after starting this one. So, so far, honestly, I think this is a great jumping on point. So play this game. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is already becoming a standout JRPG for me. I hope I saved you some time to go have fun with this or to, you know, just listen to me talk about it for a little bit longer. If you love Xenoblade 1, it's a for sure win. If you loved everything about Xenoblade 2, well, this is a toned down version of that, but it still has some of that DNA in there and I think you'll still enjoy it. Also, shout out, somehow they made a bath scene early in this game and not made it pervy. So good on you, Monolith Soft, because that is a challenge that I didn't think was ever possible. Okay, but now it's on to spoiler territory where we're going to talk some very specific moments. So stick around if you're not too worried about them or you just want to hear my confusion and excitement about it. Send this off to somebody you think will enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 3 talk or a JRPG or you want to convince them to play this game. Maybe I just did that. Here we go. Alright, so apparently we only live 10 freaking years. We're grown by a queen who definitely looks like one of the characters from Xenoblade 1. And all we know is war. I was so confused. I was like, wait, what? 10 years and we just die? And we just go kill, get ourselves summoned? So it's kind of like assisted suicide in a way? Let me tell you. I had no idea what the heck was going on and I was... Very confused when they're throwing around Colony 9. I was like, wait, is that Xenoblade 1? What are we doing? No, this, doesn't, this looks nothing like Xenoblade 1. I do really like this concept that people never really get old and they basically just die if they reach 10, uh, you know, for the homecoming. And I love that that plays into two character moments that I've now seen in this game where Van Damme, they were like, oh, he's old and the council? Yeah, council. Mobius K or whatever it is the frick his name was now before i get to that point what makes this even more confusing is the opening part to this game noah young noah and his crew in young lance and i think it was young young uni as well run around a city a big city and it seemed like everybody was having fun and now we get to this point where all they're talking about they're grown and they're grown into these chambers and then they're all they do is practice for war but we obviously we got a flat not a flashback like a reality where that wasn't a thing so i'm wondering if like the timelines are creating 
such chaos from Xenoblade 1 and 2 that they're getting sucked into this other alternate timeline? I'm not sure, but it's uh, it's very, very interesting because it's a, it's a brilliant little tease and I'm it's making me think and over and over like, okay, this has to play into it. So they're going to explain it. And I'm going to be like, oh, of course, or I'm going to be very confused one of the two. We do get also that massive explosion that just cuts into the world, which later we find out are called the Annihilation Events. And I'm I'm pretty sure that is the timeline getting all wacky. But honestly, I'm unsure, and I'm excited to find out because the ending of 2 was freaking mind-bending bonkers with the whole good god, bad scenario, Shulk is having the battle at the same time as you're about to. So I don't know what's going on, but eager to find out. And of course, we got the new source of powers, the Ouroboros, and we're... I like that <laughs> Van Damme, the guy who looks exactly like the other Van Damme from Xenoblade 2, who also decides to die. So you do not want to be called Van Damme in the Xenoblade Chronicles universe. No siree. So he's the one that sets off the egg thing to make us get the powers of the Ouroboros. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the heck's going on there. But I love the gameplay additions to the Ouroboros. I didn't talk about that in the... And the non-spoilery part, because just in case you didn't know that was a thing in this game, it's a very cool reveal. And being, I mean, who doesn't want to be this giant demon mech thing that gets a skill tree? Because, you know, we need more, 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 more stuff to add to the battle system. I'm being sincere, I do love it. One thing I do really like, too, is the technology of the irises. I think that's very cool in how they exchange information and show maps and the storyline of them hacking the irises the council people and making you look like a monster with red eyes and black fog i think that was a very nice touch and a very cool reveal towards my ending play session so why are they all haunting us well we look like monsters so very nice that they use the technology of the world to really get into the story i thought the flashbacks to our younger selves was going to get tiresome but i'm enjoying it so far uh, it shows, you know, it gives us that growth of characters, and I like that, you know, immediately I noticed that in the future, the present, I guess, not the future, the present, that our healer boy, I can't remember his name, starts with a J, is not in. I was like, well, he's going to die. So that sucks. And we get it. We don't, we still haven't gotten the death scene from him. We've seen, we've seen little flashes of it twice, and I think it is so expertly done where Noah is thinking, kind of looking a little sullen we get a flash of your old friend about to die and you know he saved Lance which is the big guy and I just uh, I love that confrontation but I love that they're like hey what are you thinking about Noah and you know he's like oh nothing or he looks distraught and I just love when any type of media just puts a little bit of sadness real quick and it kind of shifts the feeling of the scenes and without doing it you know hammering at home they just move on very quickly from that it's very very good I talked about it earlier, but my big payoff for Noah is the sword, unnamed at the moment, just called Lucky Seven by Riku, the awesome Nippon. He doesn't want to take it out. He never wants to take it out because of its power. And I love that Riku gave him, you know, he kind of convinced him to take the sword. You don't have to use it. Just put it in a sheath and only unleash it when you're ready. And we get that moment right at that 10 hour mark is basically what has <laughs> happened for me because I did a lot of exploring, but him unleashing it, oh man, was it good. I just love that he took it out. And the way he did it was so brilliant. And just smashing that flame clock, I was I was, I was, was all for it. It was such a good character moment from him. And then again, right after we defeat the big bad, 
We get another great character moment from Noah. So Mobius K is dead and he asks the people if he should send them and you know, Lands quickly disagrees with him. Like, I wouldn't do that. And Mio's like, I don't know if I would do it if I was you either. And he just does it anyways. And I freaking love it. He is unchanged, even though this man was stealing the life of all the people of his friends from his colony and Ethel, the girl that saved us when we were younger. But he's going to do it anyway. And I love that Lands like, makes a big fuss about it. And then I do like that Mio also joined in. And he also, after it was completed and they sent off the council, he's like, you didn't have to do that. And I love that we're getting these great character moments so early in the game. And I love that each character so far, we're getting little sprinkles of their life too. Like even during that scene, we get a flashback. We get a flashback of Mio with this other girl who we don't know. And how she said the exact same thing as Noah saying, you know, when he passed through me, I felt he felt like me or felt like us or something like that. So saying that the council is still his energy, his soul that's leaving him is just like us. And, you know, if he wants himself to be sent at the end of this, he's going to send these people too. There seems to be a collection of bad dudes in this and bad girls, but I'm a little confused on their motives at this point. I'm guessing it's to keep the Orbos power under control to a select group of people. But when a group is this big, there seems to be at least 10 or so, I think. I wonder how that's going to play out correctly, because you always wonder if they are so powerful, why don't they just go fight us right away? They keep sending one person at a time, it seems like, because why don't they just come kill us? Which one tried and failed, so maybe the next one will do it. But then, you know, if it goes to this point where, all right, they're going to do it one by one, it's like, just send us all at once kill us be smarter about it so hopefully there's some good motivations with that but it wouldn't be a bits of time episode if i didn't get to some quick bits for you total time so far 10 hours and 16 minutes it was that last battle with mobius a little bit longer i've had two deaths i love that the penalty for dying is so low bar in these games i love that i am playing on normal mode by the way i'm currently level 18 starting from level one I've completed seven quests. I'm on chapter two. The OST is always fire in these games, and this one does not disappoint. Mio's class is my current favorite to control. I love the aggro poles and the special she uses. Throwing her little boomerang disc thingamajigs. Chain attacks are a lot of fun so far with all the buffs and debuffs you can give. And all around, it just kind of seems a little bit smoother than Xenoblade 2, even though I liked that one. Also, Noah such a good protagonist i'm gonna keep shouting that out and i love the sending aspect a la it reminds me of final fantasy 10 for sure it's just a well executed concept and i want to see more of it so there you have it there's the beginning hours of xenoblade chronicles 3 and the moments that i really loved i feel like i'm just scratching the surface and if you enjoyed this well you know like i said earlier send it to some xenoblade lover out there or perhaps to someone you think is on the fence of starting this long jrpg series Maybe just tell them to start with this one, and if they love it, go on back. I can say this game is already feeling good, and I hope it hits the highs of the previous games in the series. I don't know if I'll do another episode or wait for our Games of the Year discussion. We do it differently around here, just so you know. But I can say that it is in the running for my Game of the Year, so you'll be hearing about this game one way or another. 